and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to review game week six, a slightly quieter game week than some of the some of the goal fests that we've had recently. But nevertheless, there's still plenty to talk about. I am joined as ever by the Edward Mendy's clean sheet to my Edward Mendy's passing across his own goal. It's Andy Case. Andy, very nice to see you once again at the weekend. Had a, a, a little bit of a social distanced uh, beer festival type thing. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you've recovered because I know that you're a bit of a lightweight. Well, that's rude, isn't it? But yeah, I, uh, I'm i fully recovered. I actually felt fine as well on Sunday. Yeah, no no bother. Um, the the football helped me get to sleep, even if the, uh, the alcohol didn't quite so much. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up watching a bit of uh, bit of Man United Chelsea, and uh, yeah, the less said about that, the better. In fact, I think hopefully, other than this reference, we we might manage to go a whole podcast without either of us talking about Manchester United. Um, but we would still do have plenty to talk about. So as ever on our review shows, we will review our players on the radar. We'll have a look at a top differential and a high end player that blank this week in blankety blank. We'll have a think about our review of swimming against the tide and how we did, were we right to swim against the tide this week. And then we'll round off by talking about some of, some of the captaincy picks and potentially some early thoughts looking ahead to game week seven. The season really is kicking in. So let's start then and look at some of the players on the radar. And I think it's probably um, best to start with one of the... Uh, one of the more expensive players that we had on, on our radar, probably one of the more expensive ones we might have had on the radar um, all season, apart from perhaps, you know, sort of week one, in Sergio Aguero. And for anyone that did bring him in, either organically or off our own advice, it was a, a week to forget. Yeah, he's uh, he obviously went off at half time, so uh, one point was his, his haul this week. Um, and it's it's an unknown leg muscle injury, so that doesn't sound particularly promising either. There's even some yeah, rumours out there that it could be a hamstring as well, but then you never know. I mean, Son was allegedly out of a hamstring, and he played the very next week, so so who who knows with that? It, it's in Pep's uh, interest to keep his cards close to his chest on that one, isn't it? So we can't be 100% sure, but no, I mean, City just more generally looked kind of... Um, Again, not at the races again. They weren't as creative as they have been in previous seasons, and it's still just taking them a while um, to, to get back into their stride. So I think it, even if Aguero hadn't come off at halftime and hadn't got injured, we'd, we'd still be kind of questioning whether he's on the radar at this point. He didn't have any shots in that first half. Um, you, you know, City generally did, didn't... Um, create much um for, for any of their sort of front players so yeah i don't know what you think chris but i think to me i'd be almost thinking he's not on the radar um at this point because you want to see more out of city yeah i think and i think you know one one thing that we did mention is that obviously he scored a penalty in in, in midweek in the champions league for them if he was going to be on penalties even for you know a short period of time then potentially he's worth having on the radar um, while you know, while he's taking penalties, perhaps in Kevin De Bruyne's absence, looks like De Bruyne's back. So that limits for me Aguero's kind of upside a little bit. Um, so so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to, to sort of flip it back onto you, would you be looking at really any City players at the moment? Would a fit again Kevin De Bruyne be on our radar? It's a tricky one with De Bruyne because obviously he did uh, sort of make some slight appearances, even if it was only honourable mentions in blankety blank a couple of times before he was injured. Um, did, uh, you know, did, did 
was struggling for returns then and, and that's a result of City's like sort of disconnected form um and yeah now if he's coming back from an injury and stuff as well again it's just question marks after question marks with City I mean Kevin De Bruyne is an absolutely class player um so if he starts to show signs of it I would be keen to get him back in my team but I don't think I'm going to be rushing to to sort of jump on him um you know the moment he's back yeah yeah I guess I guess FPL managers you know we're we're all in the same boat we're looking for a week-to-week proposition that is the surest thing or as sure as a fancy proposition can be. And and I guess, especially when you're spending, um, you know, above 10 million, like some of these players that we're talking about are, and, and, and no one really at City seems to be even close to a sure thing at the moment. So, so they might be worth leaving well alone. Let's move on then. Cause some of our other players on the radar were at the opposite, opposite end of the, of, of the sort of affordability scale. Um, Let's kick off with other uh, with Lookman. I mean, he looked pretty pretty good again playing for Fulham, but maybe not some stats or definitely not any returns to really write home about. Yeah, I mean, it in on the actual stats front, it could have all looked very different given that he hit the post twice in the game. game. So that was kind of a positive um, for him. Uh, he he looked lively again as well. So just on the eye, like I said last week, it was kind of a lot of a, a lot of an eye test. But again, that's two successive weeks now where he kind of looked decent. Um, last week, it was more so his assist threat that I thought looked good, although he did actually score. Um, whereas this week he he didn't he wasn't really getting down the wings and putting in crosses so much, but obviously he did have those two chances in the box, one of which was on target. The keepers tipped onto the post, so they're they're all kind of positives, and um, he could well have scored, and we we'd be talking about him him differently. I think he's still on the radar, given his individual performance and what I've just said there. I think I'm still going to be sort of considering him, but the trouble is he plays for Fulham. And we've spoken a bit about Fulham's defence on on previous episodes, but still going forward, they don't really create a lot of kind of clear-cut goal-scoring chances. They had a lot of possession in this game, and this is like classic for Fulham, really, where they'll pass it around a lot. Don't really kind of create a great deal. So obviously, Kearney's goal in this game was was kind of from long range, um, and you can't obviously bank on that every week. So, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure on Lookman. It's, it's a shame really because I think if he's, he was in a slightly better team, we spoke about it before him, it, it, it's maybe a good thing for him that he's a, he's, a, he's a bigger fish in a slightly smaller pond, but I think maybe he needs like a medium-sized pond. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense and, and yeah, I, w- I wonder if there are some parallels that we can draw from Lookman to perhaps another player that we might end up speaking about in, in a minute, but but yeah, I think I think interesting, I guess, I guess as, as with um, you know, as we mentioned on the, on the preview pod, it's his price that perhaps is his sort of you know, biggest positive. If he's if he's five million um, and he's looking livelier than most other five million midfielders, and if you want to get one in, then then perhaps he's the guy that you go for. Um, but but yeah, you know, isn't isn't likely to be providing sort of you know returns every week. But but it, you know, he's looking potentially one of the more likely players at Fulham. Um, and then I guess vaguely similarly, especially in terms of price, but also you know has been starting um, Max Kilman at, at Wolves, and you know looking at our sort of pre-pod notes, you've described it as being moments away from re- from a return, and and yeah, I guess that's completely true. Wolves conceding what was essentially a last gasp equaliser. Um, you know, I think again, I guess while he's four million, and while he's um, starting 
Wolves, he is worth having. Yeah, well, um, I played three at the back this week in my team and all three of my defenders lost their clean sheet in the 87th minute or later this game week. So uh, that was that was pretty frustrating. Uh, Max Kilman was one of those. And um, yeah, so when I say moments away from return, he really was. I think it was the 89th minute. I think it was that... Um, that uh, Wolves conceded but yeah he was decent again um, uh, just looked completely you know um, used to uh, playing in that system and, and, and fitted into it well and um, at 4.1 million an absolute bargain I think if he's going to be starting every, every week again I said it last week but just um, I think we, we discussed this before the show but he's basically off the radar now even at this point even though it's only a kind of a couple of weeks but that's because of his price basically he's shown enough already to be a a good if you want 4.1 million you know a cheap defender he's a good one to have um he, he's not going to guarantee you necessarily if he's not going to start every week we can't be 100 percent sure of that um so you you can't be definite about him getting returns but um you know if if he's starting a fair few games for Wolves um, at, at that price point in a team that that keep a lot of sort of clean sheets, then then that's very promising, and he's he's definitely uh, someone you should consider for your team. Yeah, it seems to have the trust. Seems to have the trust of Nuno, which uh, which which I think is is important. You know, in in, in their Premier League, and since, sorry, since their return to the Premier League, Wolves haven't really rotated hugely. Um, so I think it's, it's it's interesting that he's kind of finally made made a bit of a bit of a breakthrough for them um let's briefly touch on side ben rama just because obviously we did mention him or rather i mentioned him um on the on the preview pod he wasn't even in in west ham squad uh, for this or he may have been in sort of you know their, their, their match day squad but but didn't even didn't make make the bench um i guess you know i did kind of say he was a bit more of a long-term radar prospect wasn't one that was necessarily um likely to go straight into the team but I guess perhaps this is a question for you Andy like for me West the fact that West Ham are playing well means you know potentially something that's good good news for him because it's easier to you know come in and perform well in a winning side if he was to come in but equally while they're playing well he's probably less likely to get in the team despite the, their, their outlay on him well, I'd be leaning more towards precisely the latter. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing for him. Moyes, particularly at Everton, was someone who stuck with a team when he um, when he thought thought he had his first eleven. Um, and Wolves for a while have sort of been have been fiddling with both the team and the system, and they've sort of whether it's happened upon or, or deliberately were aiming for one that they've now arrived at that works. So, um, I mean, there's some question marks about Antonio. We haven't got the full information, but just a few rumours on FPL Twitter this evening that Antonio could be out for a while. Um, don't know exactly what the problem is there. So that could maybe play in Ben Rama's um, favour. But other than that, if, if, if that is kind of um, a mountain out of a molehill and the team can kind of stay the same, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to, to kind of break in. So if anything, again, uh, another one, a third of, third out of four so far of the ones that we talked about. But again, I'd say almost he's off the radar at this point and we can start considering sort of moving him back on as and when it looks like he might get in the team. Yeah, completely agree on that one. And then finally, then we did speak about a team in our players on the radar section and and, and about Crystal Palace and, and their fixtures coming uh, coming up, um, you know, they got the win at the weekend. Uh, I guess on the face of it, two-one looks a bit like they laboured to it, but I feel like it was 
you know, comfortable-ish against against Fulham. Um, we've spoken about Fulham and Palace fairly extensively on this pod, and I guess we didn't really learn much new here. But I guess again, as we've spoken about with Palace before, we've picked out one player that seems to be um, the best fantasy prospect. Yeah, so obviously we did mention Palace's fixtures, like you say, and, and we, 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 we kind of particularly sort of briefly mentioned, I think, as well, if you have more faith in Zahar than we've had in the past, he's been on our stats VI test this season, um, then then maybe he'd be he'd be the one you'd go for because of, like, I think it was Chris that said, you know, everything kind of goes through him. Um, if So if Palace are going to do well, he's probably going to be involved. And that is how it turned out. Um, I, I, I don't feel too bad about that because, you know, we've seen enough of Zaha be streaky that I, I couldn't be confident that he was necessarily going to return. Um, but I think the one thing we perhaps should have remembered that we didn't, we forgot our own advice about uh, Project Target Fulham. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- that's obviously kind of what, what's happened here because you see a team in Crystal Palace who had no shots last week, um, no shots from open play at least, who then had 14 this week against Fulham. Uh, 10 of which are on target. So that's such a dramatic swing round. And I don't think that's just that suddenly Crystal Palace are now amazing going forward. That is certainly to do with Fulham's defence. So Wolves away next week is a little bit of a harder one. But then after that, a good run going forward. And uh, yeah, a goal and and an assist for Zahar. you know, that takes his tally to, I think, five now goals for the season. So that 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 isn't to be sniffed at, even for a player that we've kind of, you know, looked away from because of his streakiness. G- given their fixtures coming up, I think he's actually now moving more onto our radar compared to some of these other ones we've looked at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah. obviously, five goals, one assist this season. Palace have only scored, um, have only scored eight. So, so, yeah, he's been directly involved in six of their eight. I mean... Yeah, you know, without kind of saying that I was right all along, because if I was that confident in it, then I'd have put him in my own team. But 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 you know, most things that Palace have done good do seem to come through him. Um, you know, a fair few of his goals have been penalties, and obviously, you know, some of them have been slightly kindly awarded. So I'm not going to you know go over the top about about him as a threat, but but he does seem to be the main man. And I do wonder, just to circle back to a, to a previous conversation, whether Lookman could end up being that person for Fulham where a lot of the stuff is coming through him. And you mentioned last week it looked better um, in terms of providing this week, perhaps in terms of scoring. And it's maybe not quite happening for him yet, but we have to remember this is only his, um, his second appearance since, he, since he's joined them. So, so, yeah, I do wonder if, if Lookman could become sort of a bit of a Zaha figure at Fulham, but, but definitely both, both worth keeping, um, keeping an eye on, keeping on the radar. Um, let's move on then. Let's do blankety blank first this week. I wonder, Andy, if it's actually worth starting with our honourable mentions, working a little bit backwards, because we've got a few, and there were a fair few, um, you know, very, very highly owned players that, that didn't really do a lot this week. But then we've picked out one in particular that we're going to focus on. Yeah, so like uh, our, our, our blankety blank section, like we've said before, is kind of generally a high owned, if not the highest owned player that that blank to kind of highlight someone that a lot of people will have had that, that, that didn't necessarily do well. Um, and um, so technically speaking, the highest two owned players who blanked were DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and uh, Mo Salah. Now we'll talk about them, and you'll see kind of why we're not giving them the blankety blank because we're we we almost um, see the blankety blank as like a as a sort of badge of dishonour. We don't want to um, necessarily just give it to the highest owned um, player, particularly in Dominic Calvert-Lewin's 
instance like we'll talk about um because uh, if particularly if we don't really necessarily think it's that player's kind of fault necessarily so there's a little bit of an attached uh you know attachment to it that it's kind of we're putting the blame on that player a little bit or we're highlighting something what what someone who we didn't think did particularly well as well as just the fact that they're high owned and they blanked so yeah those honorable mentions then are um like like i said dominic calvert lewin owned by 57% of managers. I mean, that is outrageous. Even some of the Salas and KDBs of the world in seasons gone by haven't necessarily reached ownership that high, banging their most in, which kind of doesn't really make sense because they're even more reliable than sort of DCL over the years. But yeah, 57% is absolutely crazy, very highly owned. Um, And obviously part of that has come in this game week um, as a lot of managers transferred him in and, and we, we touched on that in a, in a, in a different segment in our, in our preview show so, so we'll get to that later um, but um, essentially he, he 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 did blank um, this week so an, an honourable mention to him and Salah Mo Salah um, but Mo looked really good he scored a goal just barely offside um, he hit the post with another chance he could have squared it off to someone for an assist so yeah, he, he he blanked, but I don't think we're going to sort of burden him as such with blankety-blank. We, we were going to mention one more, Chris, as well, weren't we? Yeah, so Trent Alexander-Arnold, again, has kind of been been another one for an honourable mention. I think I think he would have got the assist had Salah been, been just about onside. So, um, so, yeah, again, we don't want to labour the point too much, but I think you know, he's perhaps more appropriate to mention in this section, not because, you know, we think that Trent's a bad player, but... Um, but you know Liverpool conceded did concede against Sheffield United. They're clearly not as as uh, as likely to get a clean sheet this year as they have been previously. So so for Trent's price, he's he's probably not you know, not really worth it. Um, but then moving on to the guy that we do want to mention, the guy that we do want to talk about this this week in blankety blank, Jack Grealish, twenty eight percent ownership, only one point. And Villa really did come back to earth with a back or with a bump. Um, not a lot really from them. Not a lot positive to to, to really say at all. Um, Leeds, I guess, you know, totally did a bit of a job on them. And uh, and, and maybe the Villa hype is a little bit, uh, you know, a little a little bit unjustified, Andy. Yeah. Well, um, you know, if this always happens when you're trying to sort of make decisions or come to conclusions after a small amount of games and, and particularly when Liverpool go you know get thumped last year's champions got thumped by Villa 7-2 so you know that 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 makes you think you know have have Villa kind of found another gear but what we've said in previous shows about Grealish and I think we've we've said this about Barkley as well in that Villa sort of front three is that you know he's quite a sort of ball hog he, he you know he keeps hold of the ball a lot and that happened in in this game so um he he um he could have um laid it off a couple of times and chose not to he's he's run through and ended up shooting in positions where he wasn't necessarily the best um, and he's quite high owned in the last two game weeks 1.2 million fpl managers have have transferred him in and so we kind of wanted to highlight him really as the blankety blank because that's a lot of people in a short amount of time to bring him in and they've all kind of had it thrown back in their face um, unfortunately now and, and and yeah he's he's not had a return this week I guess compared to the other three in, in the honourable mention, I guess we're perhaps slightly more worried about Grealish going forward. Um, you know, if 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 Villa aren't as good as perhaps their first four weeks kind of implied that they were, then then, then Grealish isn't going to be a week to week proposition, and perhaps his his twenty eight percent ownership um, 
isn't that justified. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Um, Shall we move on to top differential? And, um, you know, we have spoken a little bit about about Mo Salah and uh, and a little bit about Trent Alexander-Arnold, but we've picked out another Liverpool potential prospect, uh, Diego Jota. He will need no introduction to many fantasy managers who have... Um, who, have, who have been on the Jota train when he was at Wolves. Um, 1.8% ownership at the time of recording. Nine points this game week, only 6.3 million. I presume that's because he's had two falls since the start of the season. Um, so, so yeah, but Liverpool changed, changed their shape this week. Went for a bit more of a sort of 4-2-3-1 with Jota seeming to be a little bit everywhere. I'm assuming their front four were fairly were fairly fluid. Um, I, you know, I guess we have to assume this perhaps is 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 down to Fabinho moving back to centre half. Um, but if that's the case, and there's a sort of an extra attacking spot, then 6.3 million to get Jota into, or to get a Liverpool asset into your team is is, is pretty good. And and we know he's got goals in him from 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 his previous fantasy seasons. Yeah, and that's basically the reason we've highlighted him. So again, here with top differential, obviously we mentioned it's been a funny week. There'll be many, I imagine the average is going to be low this week, the average score. And there's there's going to be a lot of fantasy managers sitting out there thinking they've had a really bad week. But I think it's just, there's a, in, you know, there's been a lot of low-owned players nicking the odd goal and assist and a, and a lot of um, high-owned players blanking. So Jota is one of like a handful, really. Uh, there's, there's quite a few Um quite a few that you could have spoken we could have spoken about here in, in this section just in terms of their ownership versus their points technically J- Jota isn't necessarily the highest uh, scoring of the kind of low owned players um, but you know only nine points other players we've spoken about in this section before have maybe been 14 15 16 but really the highest this week was only kind of 11 points and, and we'll go through a couple of some of the others in the honorable mentions but with Jota in that Liverpool team as as Chris has just said there to kind of have a way into that Liverpool front three or four for 6.3 million is the kind of outrageously unbelievable value. Um, yeah, especially with, um, we, we, we can't be completely sure if Jota's obviously necessarily always going to start. Um, we, we had wondered whether he might, with Firmino's recent form, might end up getting in that front three because Mane had been playing through the bit of middle, uh, through the middle a bit um, and Jota kind of playing on his, what you'd think is more natural position on the, on the left instead of Mane. But um, no, in this, he's kind of played in somewhere in that midfield three or perhaps in the hole or sort of slightly outright. It's kind of difficult to tell. Um, maybe we need to get, you know, find the, the, uh, the coins behind the FPL lounge sofa and see if we can get Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher to come and help us do some analysis on that Liverpool formation because they might be able to kind of uh, decipher it better than, than kind of we could. We couldn't be 100% sure exactly what they were playing. But look, the point is Jota was getting forward plenty, not as much as, as the uh, outright forwards for Liverpool, but he was getting forward sort of plenty. And obviously he scored his goal from inside the box um, and at, at 6.3 million, yeah. If you're going to get someone who's going to get even just a handful of touches in and around the box for Liverpool in a game, then then that's a pretty good option. 
Yeah, always been, I guess, a little bit streaky for Wolves. So I guess, you know, there's there's, there's caution to be exercised. And, and uh, for that reason, I'd be, you know, without burying the lead too much. I'm not sure whether he'll end up on our on our radar this week but but but, but yeah you know we, i think i think it's just worth highlighting that he's a fairly cheap way into into a liverpool attack and, and, and we know how sort of prolific uh liverpool forwards can be when everything goes well for them a little bit grillish about him as well i think sometimes he, he has a tendency to to hog the ball i wonder how much uh, sadio mane will enjoy playing with him and mohammed salah um mane might ne- might might never get a pass unless it's from from bobby Firmino. A few more then, just um, just an honourable mention. James Ward-Prowse, 2 or 2% ownership but uh, and 11 points this week. But I guess we didn't include him because he can't really be relied on for fantasy points week in, week out. Kasper Schmeichel is another one, 12% ownership, which you know is fairly high, than some, well, high compared to some of these players that, that were mentioned. But, um, but yeah, isn't an obvious goalkeeping choice, I don't think. Perhaps that's down to his price at 5.5 million, but he got 10 points. This week, and then a few more, Andy. Very low owned. Uh, I, I, I think this is about Reader, Reader World. Is that a Crystal Crystal Palace? I've got absolutely no idea. But anyway, him, him, nine points this weekend. And you, you say that he started the last couple of games. Well, yeah, whether it's Riedewald or Riedelwald, I don't know whether it's a hard W or a soft W. I'm not sure, but um, you did yeah, do he... German, didn't you? At A level, I'm assuming it's German here. I've actually got no idea while you're talking about him i'll have a google well firstly i did it at gcse uh and secondly yeah, i'm not sure that he, if he is german or not uh but yeah anyway not important the important point here is that he um yeah that's a couple of starts now for him in a row so he got the same amount of points as jota actually nine points and he is basically as cheap as you can get for a midfielder because not only was he priced at the bottom price of 4.5 but he's actually had a price drop this season because he didn't start in the first three games and he's actually now 4.4 million but has started the last couple um so i wonder whether that's just because they've had a couple of like injuries and suspensions and covid um positive tests at palace It'd be interesting to see if that carries on going forward. But if it does, he's currently only 0.6% owned. Um, and yeah, he's he's not going to necessarily chip in with goals every week because he's kind of, well, I, the way Palace play with their 4-4-2, it's almost like both their central midfielders are are, are defensive. But um, he is one of the two sort of central midfielders from the looks of it for, for Palace there. And so you can't necessarily expect, um, he, he like we say, he's going he's gonna to be sort of in the goals. But again, like we've mentioned with a couple of the um, defenders and uh, cheaper players we, we mentioned earlier with sort of Kilman and stuff, uh, the if, if, if you're a 4.4 million midfielder, so he's kind of probably your fifth choice midfielder in your team if you're going to have him, you know, if he's, even if he's only going to return two points every week and then occasionally maybe a clean sheet and get a third point and obviously with this week he's, he's kind of scored a goal, then that, that's the best you can kind of hope for from that type of player. And it's a really kind of good option. So if he does continue to start, just thought that was an interesting one to highlight with his particularly low um, ownership there of 0.6%. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he seems to be sort of a centre back converted into into a midfielder, I think, from 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 the sound of things. And he's Dutch, so so there you go. That's cleared. That's cleared that one up. Um, and then the player that's even lower owned, I think he's barely owned by by anyone apart from um, an old man and his dog, Jacob Murphy, who uh, you know, Agriculture United, Loney. So you know, good 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 start there. Um, but I can't say that there are many Colchester United loanees that I would be clamouring to get into my fantasy team for part of the reason that they started their career as a Colchester United loanee. Um, but he got nine points at the weekend and played 
his first full 90 of the season at Newcastle um, and seems to be getting rave reviews from a guy that knows a thing or two about football on uh, on Tyneside. Yes, well, Alan Shearer was very complimentary about him, called him the best player in the game, or at least Newcastle's best player in the game yesterday. Um, it, it was a very interesting interview he gave on Match of the Day where he said he'd been doing his homework in the in the hotel in, in Wolverhampton the night before, um, looking at how Rui Patrizio was, was poor, basically, down low in the corners of his goal. So he kind of... Um, whipped the ball the, almost the wrong way round the wall to hit the low bottom right-hand corner of the goal, which, I mean, if, if Jacob Murphy's not after time in there, if he's actually sort of telling the truth that that was a deliberate plan, it was it was a, it was a very clever one because um, it, 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 Patrizio did get a hand to it, but it was a really, really poor one and, and it's still gone in. So, so Murphy's sort of executed his plan um, perfectly there. Uh, it, he, he, um, he obviously played the whole game. Um, uh, it, he, it looks like he's kind of only got into the team because um, sort of injuries and things. But, you know, if if that's done enough to convince Bruce that he should sort of keep his place, then again, for someone who's only, I think he's 4.9 million. So, 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 so quite cheap, obviously could well be on set pieces, what certainly was in this game. And, and you know, he's kind of, made his point to his manager and the rest of the teammates of why shouldn't he be on set pieces um, from the edge of the box going forward, then, yeah, a, a, a massive differential option there. I mean, considering we've mentioned Lookman and, and a couple of others, he may not be the first person in that price bracket you'd go to. But um, given that we're talking about top differentials here, if you're looking for someone a bit different that you're, the people in your mini league haven't got, like if you like I say, if you go on... Um, the official Premier League stats at the moment, official official fantasy Premier League stats, he is uh, described as being 0.0% owned. So he has that few people that own him. It doesn't even round up to 0.1. So yeah, uh, worth looking at. Fair play, fair play. Um, let's move on and uh, chat about us swimming against the tide. And uh, for those that listen to the Game Week 6 preview pod, we kind of made the point that great player that he is, perhaps this wasn't the uh, the week to be getting Dominic Calvert-Lewin into your teams. And there seems to still be quite a few FPL managers that were, that were clamouring to get him in if they didn't already have him. As Andy said earlier, uh, he has a 57% overall ownership, but we felt that if you didn't already have him, game week six perhaps wasn't the week. And, you know, we were sort of proven right, Andy. And I guess the reasons... That we that we were sort of hypothesising that was was you know, partly down to potential Everton injuries. Hamas Rodriguez um, was listed as, as as kind of extreme doubt, and Richarlison was was suspended, um, and Everton didn't really look themselves against uh, against Southampton. Yeah, so there was obviously um, um, a tide of of managers transferring him in this week, as there have been pretty much every game week of the season so far. Um, and yeah, he, he it basically turned out, if you heard our preview show, like Chris said, they're almost exactly like we said. We At the time, we thought James Rodriguez wasn't going to be starting, and it turns out that Ancelotti's done a bit of a Mourinho there, and he, and he did actually start, although it didn't um, sort of change the way we'd kind of foreseen the game um, turning out. Um you know, Everton didn't create as much as they as they have in 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 the part in the, the sort of the games that they've had so far this season. And yeah, 
Dominic Havert Lewin didn't necessarily have have the um, the chances to score that he has in in previous games. Um, it can just be sometimes that balance, even though it was only one. We were speaking about both Hamez and Richardson being out. Sometimes just having that, even if it's just one of them, um, if you found a blend that works, you know, taking one of them away can affect the balance of kind of everyone and, and may, maybe there was a little bit of that at play as well um, we've seen it with when sort of one of Mane or Salah hasn't been playing for Liverpool for example in the past it can kind of um, throw throw the others off or throw the balance out a little bit but yeah I guess um, you should probably talk as well a little bit Chris about this because you've kind of you kind of watched watched the game so you can talk about what we would how it we mentioned maybe this lack of creativity from Everton and how did that sort of play out yeah they looked they looked quite blunted um, I think is probably the best the best way to describe it. They they looked a little bit short short of ideas, and you know I do wonder if if, if that is just down to like you say uh, you know a little bit of lack of balance. You know I think I think Everton's first eleven, um, you know goalkeeper aside, is 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 pretty strong. Don't have the deepest the deepest squad. You know what, what the signings that Carlo Ancelotti's made this season are for, are for the first eleven. Um, and you know those that then come in when there are when there are injuries are those that were deemed not really good enough last year um, and, and and were replaced in the summer. You know I don't mean to pick on any one particular player, but Alex Awobi obviously coming for Richarlison and he he plays he plays a very different style. Um, you know he's more of an out and out winger rather than the sort of inside forward, which I think is kind of the system that Everton are playing. And and you know when Hamez is Having a bit of a free roll, it almost gives um, gives them two up top. But 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 Richarlison obviously just makes very different runs and is a very different player to to, to Alex Awobi. So things do look a little bit did look a little bit disjointed. And then equally, you know, going forwards for Everton, um, you know, Luca Dean isn't necessarily the most um, you know the, the most creative player that they have when they have Hamid Rodriguez. But he's also staring at, at suspension. Although I think I think Ancelotti's going to appeal it. So. I, I do worry a little bit for them going forward, um, and 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 yeah, I think that I, th- I think that you know DCL is, is obviously still a an absolute class player and, and and is a player probably for the price that that that, mo- that most people will still be looking to get into their team. But but I do feel as though we were justified in perhaps saying that if you didn't already have him, um, game week six wasn't perhaps the week the week to to, to be making making the move. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I mean, we, we, it's, we, we are sort of humble enough to point out the ones when we, when we get them wrong, whether that be stats versus eye test or something against the tide. So, yeah, one of them's gone right for us finally. Every a, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I'm, I'm really glad that I was eventually sort of right about Stuart Dallas the week I got rid of him. Um, so so never mind. Um, let's round off then and have a quick chat about about captaincy. Again, as we've kind of alluded to, there were um, you know not too many big big points hauls this week, and 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 I guess in terms of Salah and DCL, you know, not returning, I guess that would have not been great for many fantasy managers. But 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 you know, as we've already talked about with, with, with DCL, you know, I think it's uh, it perhaps wasn't going to be the week to captain him anyway. And if if, if you if you did, then then, um, then yeah, you know, I guess we perhaps pointed out the reasons why that might not be the greatest idea. Salah, as you said earlier, you know, did score, um, uh, albeit offside, but but very marginally, and, and and just looked good in general. Hit the post and could have assisted another. So I don't think there's anything to particularly worry about there. Um, so 
you know, I think we can we can move on. Um, Sterling and Aguero were two that we picked out for Man City. And again, we've already mentioned Aguero, but is it time to sort of stop thinking about Man City assets as captains? Well, I mean, yeah, that it's it's a tricky one. We've kind of highlighted so a difference between the two you just mentioned, for example, Salah and Dominic Calvert-Lewin was, I would still maintain that Salah was a decent decision as captain if you captained him, even though he didn't return, because it was Sheffield United at home, you know, they, um, and, you know, he he, he did the, he did sort of play how we suspected he'd play, and he, obviously his finish, albeit offside, was a completely outrageous, whereas with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, yeah, we, we did suspect that he might not have the service, and that was how it turned out. Um, so, you know, you've got to consider your decision-making process, not just the outcome. Uh, and in, although both those instances, the outcome wasn't there, the decision-making process was kind of different for both, um, maybe more legitimate for kind of Salah in that instance. With Sterling and Aguero, we also highlighted how there might be question marks, um, uh, and we thought it'd be we thought it'd be unlikely that you know you didn't have one of Salah, Son, or Kane, so you should probably go for one of those if you did have them. Was kind of what we said, and yeah, that's that's how it's turned out really. Sterling and, and Aguero it, in this game. City continue to kind of not, not look um, all, all at the races and now this is starting to get a really big sample size so we were questioning in the earlier section players on the radar about whether it's worth having 10.5 million invested in Aguero um, and if you're starting to think like that for pretty much all City assets KDB and maybe even Sterling because as much as he's kind of individually not been too bad this season he's playing in a bit of a disjointed team and getting moved around position a bit then if you're kind of questioning their position and their value in your team you all you really shouldn't be thinking about them as captain if they are in your team in, in that instance, because obviously you want that as your most nailed on player each week. And then finally, we are recording after the uh, the, the, the Tottenham game tonight and uh, a, a, a familiar combination linked up to get, get Spurs' winner, Kane assisting for, for Son. Um, so I guess if you captained either, either of them in a week where some of the premium choices didn't... Um, didn't do too well then job done yeah well um exactly and what like i've just said about decision making really that was kind of the most uh you know it two of the most informed players two of the highest scoring players in the game so far um it was it was a it was a good decision to make and and uh if if you were kind of looking at those particularly with the fixture as well it's obviously not just form it, it's fixtures and um they've they've both returned for you albeit obviously son more so than Kane but in you know you know if you're a Kane owner and captain uh compared to some people's weeks this week you've got to be happy even just with with the assist points so yeah absolutely so another week another Champions League and uh, and Europa League week I guess um as ever with these weeks FPL managers need to be on the lookout for formations for who's starting who's not starting you know form i guess in general and, and and injuries and i guess you know part of that was 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 vaguely justified um you know we 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 did have to wait for spurs's lineup before we recorded um or we weren't able to wait before, for for spurs's lineup in the europa league before we recorded yeah, the game week 6 preview but but the fact that son and kane were both um both rested that probably um, you know, we would have mentioned that, and we that we would have seen that as a positive. So, so I guess it's sort of same again this week, and it's going to be this for the foreseeable now with with, with, with European football well and truly back. 
yeah, with you know, in a normal season, there might be other things going on with um, cup games or whatever as well. So you might have a bit more to say in this bit, but really, it's just the same, almost exact repeat of last week. Um, you just said there about Spurs. You know, keep an eye out for that. We, we mentioned Vardy last week in his calf injury. Well, obviously, he didn't start again even for Leicester in the Premier League this weekend. So there's still question marks around Vardy. Be interesting to see. I'd imagine he'd probably be rested again for Europa League, but but you never know. Maybe he needs the the match time to get himself up to fitness. So so kind of keep an eye on. On that and certainly look out for obviously the um the uh, press conferences after the Europa League to see like the consequences of any um any action and what that's meant for, for players injuries um and then yeah we we Chelsea went from a four in the Champions League to a three in the league and United went the other way they went from a three back three in the Champions League to a back four in the Premier League so I guess keeping an eye on the, their two team you know the, the players they pick and the formations they go for there and seeing and seeing what that having to think what that might mean going forward. Does it feel like there's more rotation in the Premier League this season, do you feel, at all? Or, I mean, I guess, I guess weirdly, while perhaps other teams have been rotating and changing shape a little bit more, Pep hasn't been able to, and he's the one that we always rely on for some crazy formations and uh, annoying FPL managers at, at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. So, um, so yeah, you know, do things do things feel a bit more disjointed this season, do you think, so far? Or, or, or is that just a bit of, a, bit of an illusion? Yeah, I haven't got the stats on this, but it seems like it is. And it doesn't seem like it's necessarily, like you're saying, managers' choices. It's been like enforced upon them because of the various injuries, coronavirus backed up games and whatever. So usually, you know, managers do try to keep their their first team for the, the Premier League games. That's the sort of the bread and butter, as it were. So, and that, and that hasn't ha- really happened so much, maybe because they've not been able to or, or yeah, a variety of things. So, yeah. Another Friday night football this week, which will be interesting. I'm sure Andy and I will be uh, will be will be talking plenty before then. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Please let us know what your plans are for game week seven. We'll be uh, at the FPL underscore lounge on both of those social media platforms. And as always, wherever you get your podcasts, you can uh, subscribe with us. Rate our podcast uh what else can they do andy leave a comment loads of loads of things yeah review uh review us yeah rate us that that always helps and just to be clear although we are the fpl lounge our twitter handle our twitter handle is at fpl underscore lounge so that is at fpl underscore lounge if you want to find us on twitter or instagram yeah not the not the don't 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 get that in there no um Anyway, it's, it's late. It's late. We'll give you uh, a pass, Chris. So late, yeah. So, and one of us is going to have to be up to to, to edit this thing now, and I'm pretty sure it's me. So, uh, so hopefully there won't be too many too many errors in in this one. Um, but either way, like I said, Friday night football this week. So we will try to be in your in your feeds in your podcast feed for Friday morning. So, Andy, until then, thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>